welcome to Welcome to the Gun Show. I'm joined by Tarek. Howdy ho, listen to the Reno's. What? I think Garrett's confused. Um, I'm glad he's confused because that way I don't have to say that I'm confused. And Garrett. You just did. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I didn't. I said that I don't have to say that I'm confused. <laughs> Which is Yes, that's Absolute, confusing. Absolutely nothing. Um, uh, that's confusion. I, I, I would like to start this episode um, with a, a little bit of a personal note. And I'm going to find the message so that I, I don't get it wrong. Um, What's Why are you opening that cupboard door, Corn? Yeah, no, no. You don't. No, no. Climb back in the cupboard, Corn. I, I got a message. From one of our loyal listeners who will remain nameless until the podcast ends, and then I'll tell the other two years, who told me that he might get lucky today. Literally, I got a, a weird message going, It seems I might get lucky today, and randomly. And I'm like, That's awesome. Hopefully, your shirt arrives too. <laughs> <laughs> and then, not long after, apparently, his shirt finally arrived. So, welcome to the Welcome to the Gun Show shirt wearing club. We're really happy that you finally got it. Person who shall remain nameless for a moment. I hope you also got lucky, um, <laughs> especially since you were bragging so much about it. Did you? And and let us know if you got lucky in the shirt. <laughs> don't send us videos. No, but let us know. Or pictures. I don't want to see pictures. No. Stop mentioning pictures because you know someone will oblige again. Tell me it wasn't that person. It wasn't that person? Oh. It was not that person. Um, because otherwise no, you would probably you would probably already have a picture. If that no, happen. they they got their shirt last week. I know, which is two weeks ago when you're listening to this because of the magic of time travel. We we do a lot of time travel on here. Um, you mean the show's not live? Well, I hope not, because <laughs> then we won't have time to cut some of the shit out. Um, so. Shall we, uh, shall we say thank you to some people? I don't know which people we need to thank, though. Uh, so I'm going to start with uh, Billy and Adrian, Magnum United. Uh, guys are doing really great stuff. I'm hoping to get out there sometime next week to go and see them again because I haven't seen them in a while. I haven't seen them at Magnum in a while, at least. Um, please go out and support them. Every time we go there, the, uh, the ranges are looking better. The facilities are getting better. Um, you can now deal with uh, Billy on the phone and in person. So... Who, who, who is almost as grumpy as Adrian already? It's oh, fantastic! He, as the grump oh, like, caught up. Yeah, no, he, he'll he'll be nice. He'll be nicer. He's he's less likely to tell you to fuck off, stupid. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I like how you stopped short of he won't say that. Um, well, no, because so yeah, I'm a realist. Please, please head out there and uh, and support them. Um, yeah. We also need to say thank you to obviously DVC Technologies. Um, he keeps all our guns running with some uh, magic lubrication that we're not sure how he manufactures it. Though there he has, has been plenty, that. there's been plenty of speculation on the internet and on this podcast. Um, Mr. Evans, that stuff is space magic. We love it. Good stuff. When is your uh, your your other magic stuff coming, or have you released all the products? Uh, the other magic stuff is coming along slowly. Okay, slowly. So we won't talk about it yet. Sweet stuff. No, there's no ETA on it yet. Secrets. Secrets. Um, there's a very cool, sorry. There's a very cool interview with Gaz. Fuck you, Gaz. Um, <laughs> on 
an episode of that shooting show that came out this week, which if you're listening to the show, the week it comes out is last week. But if you're listening to the show in 2024, it's a long time ago. Um, so you'll have to look back. If you can't find it, um, just look in the Welcome to the Gun Show group. Uh, you will find a post from Shoal saying this is a cool interview. And then you'll find a comment from Shoal complaining that I double posted it, to which the response is, fuck off, Shoal. This is good enough to double post. Yeah, thank um, you, Shoal. <laughs> but it's a very cool interview. It was really good. Um, I, I, I will swear at Mr. Anderson next time I speak to him. But uh, will, will you disagree with him? Endlessly. For days. <laughs> Apparently for three days. Three days. <laughs> exactly three days. He measured it. This is quite impressive. <laughs> I might even uh, pull faces at him. Yeah, Gaz I, I couldn't think, think of a nice way to tell to say I was flipping him the bird. Uh, I heard that is someone is someone showing you signs or something, and Gaz is like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, is it Tarek? He's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Lance and Dan, uh, Rocksteady Gear, awesome guys. I know that the element or elemental rigs from uh, Magload are on the way. Those are going to be space magic at a, a more affordable price for the guys who uh, want to get into shotgun or already into shotgun looking for better, better equipment. Um, it's like a more budget friendly it's not budget but it's a more budget friendly version of the of the nexus pro which is quite cool um so it's get onto that a more cost effective option yes that's the word that i was looking for because it's not that's that's why that's why Terry does marketing nexus pro element nexus pro element element pro nexus element you need to add some more to the list because he messed those up they're all intertwined so what number are we going with, 197. Yeah, I can live. I and I know that Connors and Callum are going to approve of that number. Yeah. <clears throat> Good measure. <clears throat> I'm okay. Look, guys, I'm pulling a face at you. Yes. And now my other finger is pulling a face at you too. You're pulling me two faces. Two faces. <laughs> um, what else do we need to say thank you to? What else do we need to mention? Uh, so you, you posted something about Disney? Tell us about that. What's, oh, what's no, that? yeah. So I had a I had a chat to uh, I ordered some stuff from Marius at Disney, and uh, as usual, the service is excellent. And we're not being paid to say this, um, but uh, yeah, no, that they, they they're always a pleasure to deal with. Um, and one of the things we discussed today was a lot of people aren't. You know, I, I've had discussions with people where they go, I'm looking for X or Y. Like Tony Systems and Eamon Tech are two of the brands they do that people often think of. They've now added um ghost stuff uh to the the list as well so i've got some of those connectors through to come play with and some of our stock i know some of our demo guns um but one of the things that comes up is guys go oh i'm looking for this bit from tony systems and or, or even tech and i go well check out uh, um disney and they're like no it's not on the website and what a lot of guys don't realize is if you contact them they will order it for you uh, so if Tony Systems makes it just because they don't have it in stock right now, you can add it to a future order. I don't expect to have it in a week. Um, well, I mean, I'm sure you could for, for you know, 15,000 Rand for a thousand Rand part. But, you know, if, if, if you put an order in, if it's an expensive part or, or a very specific part, they'll probably ask you for a little bit of a, a deposit, which I think is more than reasonable. Um, 
But if you need to order stuff on 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 those websites, um, let Disney order it for you. And jokes aside, you're probably it it's almost definitely going to be cheaper than trying to get it in yourself, and it'll probably be substantially quicker. So uh, you know, I, I'm not too sure the, the email address, but there's one on the website. Um, check it out if you if you're looking for something and they don't have it. Um, chat to them and ask them about ordering it. They've done it for me before um, and it came through pretty quickly. Uh, and uh, they're always trying to add sort of good stuff, but you can't you can't keep everything in stock. You know, the, the market for Beretta APX compensators is not really big enough to order 20 at a time. Yeah, all, all of one dude that needs one. Exactly. But if you're that dude, ask them to order you one on their next order. Just on that, um, that is true for uh, for most of our friends. Uh, there's also guys who look at Hailstorm and they go, this is not on the website. Um, mm. Well, one, Hailstorm is the middle of migrating their website to a different platform. So it's, it's challenging for them at the moment to keep it up to date. But also if they are the importer for a specific brand and they don't have the stuff on their website, ask them. They can probably import it for you. Um, and that's not just for them. Like I said, like, there are other guys who also... If they are the importer, ask them. They can probably get you the stuff. Oh, and I have one other shout out, and this is totally personal, but fuck you. Um, I'm running a, a Red Dot course at Magnum on Sunday, the 12th of December. Uh, it's filling up quite nicely, so if you want to spot, jump on it. But the reason I'm actually making the shout out, not just to advertise my, my wares, um, if you don't have a Red Dot on your pistol already and you need to fit one, uh, MRST are giving you 500 rand off on the fitment. So if you need to cut catch a slide, they, they, if if you if you're booking it for the course, you have to actually be booked on the course. I will find out and come to your house and steal your whiskey. Um, and if you don't have whiskey, I'll make you go buy whiskey. So good whiskey, so I can steal it. Um, but if you're doing the course and you let them know. Uh, they'll they'll try and expedite your slide as much you know your cut as much as possible, and they'll give you a five hundred back discount on on top of that as well, which is awesome. And they are the only people I recommend for slide cuts for optics. Awesome, great guys. Um, cool. Shall we try and get into the main topic that has been kind of introduced now? Um, the topic tonight will be not cheater lamps. Eric is confused. The topic tonight will be getting lucky in your Welcome to Country shirt. I'm married. I wouldn't know how that works. In that case, the, the subject tonight will be cheetah lamps. <laughs> <laughs> also, Otherwise, it'll be a really short show. Also, in more ways than one of you, Eric. <laughs> uh, <laughs> savages. Uh, <laughs> you want to roll us into this topic, T-Bag? So a couple of our, um, I'm going to use the term friends loosely, fuck you, Shol, uh, and people we do like, like Chris John, um, asked us to, to have, a, have a little bit of a discussion on, on pistol-mounted red dots. Uh, so we thought we'd chat a little bit about that. Um, kind of hard, some hardware stuff, some software stuff, some, some wires. Uh, something to bear in mind, though, is obviously whatever recommendations we make at the moment are, are valid as we sit here right now. Um, and there are not guarantees, so don't sue us if it doesn't work for you. But uh, 
you know, it products can change. Someone could launch something fucking amazing tomorrow. Um, in fact, I can almost guarantee you in the next three or four months, something new and awesome will come because that that's what's happening in this market at the moment. Uh, so, so this is this is valid for for right now. And once again, if you're listening to this in 2024 and you're going, I can't believe they're still recommending that. Um, well, uh, time travel and it'll make more sense. Just uh, to hop in there for a moment. Um, also realize that if we're talking about, I don't know what optics we're going to be talking about specifically, but we're talking about relatively new optics. Realize that there might be issues that have not yet been discovered. Um, a la Acro P1, yeah. which was amazeballs and is amazeballs and as tough as nails and has the battery life of, I don't know, what has really short battery life. It has the battery life of an Acro P1, <laughs> literally. Yes. It's like the acro, the battery life of, of gas in bed. Um, I think that's that's like the Energizer Bunny on steroids. I suspect so. That's uh, that's probably that I've that's a that's a that's a T two. <laughs> no, I've seen I've I've seen him shoot that. That's done quickly. <laughs> moving moving swiftly along. Uh, something else to bear in mind is obviously. Um, there are going to be some region-specific things as well with regard to pricing availability backup. So if you uh, aren't in South Africa, you you may have a slightly different situation with regards uh, pricing disparity or um, sort of turnaround times or backup or anything like that. So I, I, I don't know exactly how it works. Um, you know, if you need to do a warranty claim on something in, in Austria or in Nebraska, uh, so, so we can only talk of 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 here. That makes sense. Um, I want to say something, and I like promptly forgot. No, that's the show in two weeks. Cool. That is the show in two weeks. But maybe the thing that I just wanted to say was the topic for in two weeks that I have promptly forgotten again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's just let's just get talking about about dot. Um, obviously, what you should do when you buy dot is you should consider it indestructible. Yes. Treat it like garbage. Definitely always rack the gun off it as violently as you can. Um, don't lock tight the screws. Mount the plate kind of skew. You know, the, the, the standard sort of stuff. And then um, obviously it'll last a lifetime and you will never, ever, ever need to replace a dot. So, you know, it's it's a once-off purchase and that'll be it. Right, it's generally best to buy the absolute cheapest one you can. If it doesn't have a brand name at all, that's even better. <laughs> if, it, if it comes from Wish in an unlabeled box. Yeah. <laughs> like they didn't oh, even bother putting a label on it. If where well, it says in the box made in China is spelt incorrectly, that's perfect. Well, I mean, the good thing with that is that if it's unbranded, you can make your own stickers. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, if you see a Trigicon on eBay, for like 10% of the price of all the others, that's definitely not a scam. And you should you should buy that one. And it's just that everyone else is fucking you with markup. You mean the Turgino? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have Bible verses. It's got like chapters out of Lord of the Rings written on the side. <laughs> Actually, I'd possibly buy that one. Uh, so... <laughs> couple of things to discuss with regards to us. Um, 
I don't care what brand of dot you buy, you're, you're probably going to break it at some stage. Uh, if you if you haven't broken it, you probably haven't shot it that much or used it that much. Um, good dots are going to last a really long time. Um, shitty dots are generally going to not last as long. I I am somewhat of the opinion that if I get 10,000 rounds out of a dot, I've probably got my money's worth. Uh, and to be honest, a lot of a lot of dots, including some quite well-known dots on the market, uh, are possibly not going to give you that, that those ten thousand rounds. Um, but uh, if I get ten thousand rounds out of an optic, I'm I'm quite happy with it. With regards warranties, two things to bear in mind with warranties: there's there's some companies that have got spectacular warranties, or th- maybe three things to bear in mind. Some companies have got spectacular warranties and they need them. Um, because you're going to use them all the time. Some companies have got great warranties, but bear in mind turnaround time. So there are some brands in this country where if you send that in for repair, you're probably not going to get it back in under three months. Um, And some brands don't have the longest warranties, but have a pretty quick turnaround time uh, or replacements at a schedule. I also work on the logic that the chances of me wanting to be using that that particular optic in, in, in five years' time um, are probably pretty slim because if I look at, at what was available as options five years ago um, and I look at what's available as options now, uh, I'm the only one here with an optic on my gun. Um, you know, it, it's, it's like cell phones. Uh, it's, it's technology that, that, that is adapting all the time. That's not to say you've got to buy a new one every year, but, uh, you know, if, if, I, if, if, if it's got a a reasonable warranty and and you know if it's got it's got a two-year warranty and i'm confident i'm going to shoot ten thousand rounds in that time and it doesn't cost me fifty thousand rand um that's not gonna it's not gonna knock it out of contention for me i i I don't expect it to be a lifetime part so i think that's something we need to bear in mind I, i i my normal recommendation to people is whatever optic you buy you need to make sure that it's something that you can buy a second one of sooner rather than later um because it it may fail um and also sort of infant mortality is a thing with 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 some optics uh there are you get some that you know if they last a thousand rounds they'll last twenty thousand rounds um but you might you might be the person who who got unlucky and, and and had one that was bad out the box or broke after you know 250 rounds and it doesn't matter how good their warranty is. They can have the greatest warranty in the world. But when it breaks on day one of a three-day match, um, that warranty doesn't help you. When it breaks on day one of a four-day match in Thailand, ask me how I know this, the warranty doesn't help you. Uh, because Red dots don't need lenses. Red yeah, dots no, no. do not need lenses. You know this for a fact. You can see how much clearer it is without that silly lens in the way. Um, but the ability to stick a spare optic on that gun meant that I could carry on straight away. So, so that's something to 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 bear in mind. Sorry. And talking about Disney, I've just got a tracking number from them. Nice. At at like twenty past nine at night. Yeah. Go to bed, Maurice. Yeah, gotta be. I mean, not not when you're listening to this on Monday morning, because that would be a bit weird. Yes, that that would be problematic business wise. Um, Mr. Evans, anything to add on on dot reliability? Seeing as you have uh, you have witnessed the shooting of extensive dot. Yeah, I've witnessed quite a lot of. Yeah, well, 
So I think the only thing that like we can carry on with that is that when you when you've selected your dot installations, probably one of the most important things for dot life, apart from a little bit of that that luck on certain things that can go wrong. Um, what I found with my experience with installing dots and watching a lot of dot shooters go is installing the dots is important to do correctly because the better you do the installation, the better chances you have of that dot either outrunning the warranty that you've got or exceeding the round count that you're sort of expecting, reasonably expecting out of the optics. So that's one thing that I would add on to that. Um, and that that installation slash mounting doesn't matter whether you're going with dovetail and MOS sort of uh, adaptive plate system, or if you're going with um, milling or machining of the slide to, to accept the optic. So for the installation, and I'm going to let T and Gaz fill in here, the dot, if you're mounting to a plate, whether it is a dovetailed plate or something like an MOS plate, the dot needs to sit flat and flush on top of the plate and the screws need to be of the correct length to ensure that you can tighten it down and get torque, the correct torque, don't over-torque them, the correct torque. Um, you don't want screws that are too long and, and bottom out but don't actually torque the optic down and you don't want screws that are too short that are likely to break or, or unwind over time. If it's a plate, the plate needs to be flush to the slide. So optic flush the plate, plate flush the slide. Same thing with the screws. Make sure that they are of the correct length, correct thread pitch. Make sure that you lock tight them. Degrease the oil. Let that sit for you know, two minutes or whatever for the alcohol to, to evaporate off. Lock tight it according to specifications of the lock tight. Leave it for 24 hours. Do not shoot it. Do not try and zero it. Once it's set up, go shoot it, go zero it, go make sure that everything's fine. If it's a dovetail, you need to make sure that the dovetail mount fits correctly. If there is play, you're going to kill the optic almost certainly. Um, I think those are the the big ones, though there is probably other things that I'm forgetting at the moment. Yeah, sort of related to that. Um, issues we, we we see, one one is people forget that Loctite, or sometimes people forget that you need Loctite, um, and it doesn't occur to them that something running at, I think it's 4,000 Gs, might rattle a screw loose, uh, but you need to. Have, people forget that Loctite has a has a setting time. Um, so we just throw some Loctite on some screws, stick it on there, and get shooting, and then wonder why it comes loose. So, as Corn said, thoroughly degrease, um, apply it as directed, give it twenty four hours to set. With regards to the the tensioning of the screws, one of the biggest issues we see is people who go too tight. Um, I know on, on the Glock instructions, their instruction is to go hand tight. Uh, and that's not Mongo, let me show everyone how strong I am. It's, it's hand tight. Uh, and, and I see, you know, I see on the internet all the times, all sorts of bitching about Glock's MOS system and that. I have a fair amount of runtime on, on Glock MOSs. I have, have even more runtime around other Glock MOSs. Uh, and what I see is the majority of issues I see are user-related. People who haven't locked out the screws, um, people who, who have, haven't, and, and often people who've over-tightened them um, in an attempt to, to make sure that it was as, as strong as possible. Uh, I've also seen guys use the wrong length screw and bend the plates because they just kept mongoing that screw down. Um, you know, like, I've, I've seen with a lot of the hollow suns, uh, I can't remember if it's still an issue, but I know in some of my early ones, we had to, we had to grind the, the screws down a little bit because the screws that came were a little bit long. And if you went too tight, 
you, you it would start bottoming out on on the slide. So if you pay a little bit of attention when you when you mount the thing, which most people are quite happy to pay quite proper attention when they when they fit a scope to their rifle. In fact, a lot of people are very happy to pay a gunsmith to fit a scope to their rifle um, because he's probably more likely to put it on straight and make sure that he doesn't swap the windage and elevation knobs or put it on backwards or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but then with a, a red dot optic, which is under a lot more pressure, they they think, well, you know, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, so, so mounting is is a good start. I'll be honest. Um, I, I really think in twenty twenty one that uh, rear sight dovetail mounts are are stupid and done, and just don't waste your time with it. Uh, get an optic ready gun or catch your gun. Um, I know a lot of people want to try a, a, a rear sight dovetail so they can try the dot. Um, very very few people ever give up on the dot and go back to iron sights after having a dot on their gun. Um, the rear sight dovetail just it adds, it adds more potential failure. Um, it puts the dot in, in a less than ideal place because it's sitting so high. Um, and then silly things like you've got to get it properly centered and you, you're relying on the fact that this, this part, um, you know, dovetail that's designed to take a very small piece of polymer or steel um, is now going to have 20 times that mass on there, probably more um, with all that, that sort of, um, uh, that that g-force, and if we if we end up in a situation where the dovetail is slightly under undersized to the notch, um, we've got more chance of, of failure. So, I, I I have said to guys in the past, you know, get the dovetail mount and, and see how it works. You're probably looking at I think you're looking at about fifteen hundred bucks for a, a decent dovetail mount. You know, for a thousand rand more or five hundred rand more, if you're doing a course with me, you can get MRST to catch your slide. Um, which will get it lower, get it more secure, and just make it more usable. You're going to get better benefit. Um, the other thing with the dovetail mount is you give up backup iron sights. That's something we can discuss later. I, I, I don't think they're quite as important as, as people sometimes tell you, um, but you are giving them out and you don't have the option. So on so, my side, just to cap off on the sort of installation side, um, the other thing that I've seen kill optics fairly quickly is the overuse of Loctite. So you need to put the appropriate amount on. You, you don't have to fill the screw or the hole with Loctite to make the Loctite work. It's actually not designed to work at its optimum in that sort of environment. Um, and like T said, over tightening is a big problem. And then the other thing that can happen is you tighten, typically the optics are, are held down in their specific arrangement by two screws, one on either side, left or right. And you'll, I've seen left ones that are not as tight as the right ones or vice versa. So you don't have both screws that are torqued down the same. So what I recommend when it comes to optics is you get an appropriate torque wrench that you can then set and you can tighten both screws to the same setting, but don't go and buy a torque wrench and then set it to its maximum output and then tighten the screws. You need to have a relative Newton meter output for that, that torque setting on the screws. So I can comment a little bit on torque wrenches. What you should do is buy an automotive one, set it to 225 pounds, uh, foot pounds, and uh, crank down until it goes click. I guarantee something's going to go click at some point. Uh, just, a, just a question, guys. this one's specifically for you. Um, I suspect that those small, uh, small screws used to mount plates and optics are torque to yield. 
So if, if you have over talked them, you should probably throw the screws away and replace them with brand new ones and talk to correct spec. Don't, don't Mongo smash and then go, Oh shit, that was too tight. Back it off because you're probably still going to struggle with failures because the, the, the pitch of the thread has changed due to the torque. I suspect no, you, you, yeah, if you over tightening screws and that sort of stuff, you can damage the integrity of the metal. Um, so one of two things are going to happen and one I've seen happen more often than not is I think some screws are supplied with optics that are sort of sub grade. So they're not a high enough grade. So they can't actually take, they can't necessarily take the load that people think they need to apply on the screw. So it's not a manufacturing defect. It's when the guys over tighten the screws, they damage the screw, they strip the head. Now all of a sudden you've got a fairly big problem to sort out because now you've got a screw you can't get out. Um, which has led to some optics being damaged. So make sure of that sort of stuff. If your screw's looking dodgy, throw the set away, throw both screws away. So if one looks dodgy, the other one looks okay, throw them both away and put new screws in. So make sure you've got spares of those. In fact, no. my general recommendation with those is to treat those screws as one use. Yeah, even better. Even they generally better. get a bit boogered once they, they go in or out. So, um, I, I generally recommend to people once you've used them once, throw them away and put fresh ones in. They're not that expensive. No, they're not. That's, and, that's and, the sensible and, way to do it. Yeah. And I mean, the bonus with that is that a lot of guys don't realize that once you've, let's say you've got Loctite on your screws, you've loosened them and now you want to reuse them. Strictly speaking, you need to clean all of that Loctite off the screws. If you're going to replace them or treat them as one use, well, that, solve, that kind of solves a fairly simple problem for you. And it's going to be better for your optic and your mental health in the long run shall we say also i don't know what those what a, a screw set costs but i can't think it's more than a couple of rand um, i mean it probably costs a couple of cents to manufacture where guys have to ship them and get them to you and keep them on the shelves and shit to cost that up but it's going to be a couple of bucks per set of screws um potentially killing a ten thousand rand optic because you're reusing you know, six rand screws to try and save money is uh is silly well, stuff. I think that that sort of covers the the reliability and the correct fitting. Um, just one remark on that before we move on to the next topic. Ironsides have a sell by date. Um, your your fancy night sights have a shelf life that don't start when you fit them to the gun. It starts at time of manufacture. Eventually, the tritium will die. Um, adjustable sights on guns will break sooner rather than later. It might take you a couple of years to break them. It might take you a couple of months to break them. If you're me. Um, but adjustable sights will break. Um, same thing with irons. Uh, your, your front side post will over time get bashed around into holsters and out of holsters and stuff. And eventually you'll round off the corners and you won't be able to get the crisp side picture you want. Those things have a sell by date. They have an end of service life where they are useful to you. Dots are exactly the same and you've got to treat them the same. Um, I know a lot of people think that irons are, you stick them on the gun and they live forever. That's not true. Dots are the same. They're not unreliable. They just, they're a service part at the end of the day. They, they're just long interval service parts. I, I have a bit of a theory sort of related to that. And this isn't science. I haven't done any sort of research on it. This is just an observation. I think a lot of that is based on, for the longest time, people bought guns and didn't shoot them. Uh, so a set of iron sights, the gun wasn't getting carried, it wasn't getting used. Um, so nothing could go wrong. And especially in the early days of sort of slide mounted red dots, the guys who were doing it were generally a little bit more serious about shooting. 
um, so they were generally getting higher round counts. So you had guys comparing a set of iron sights that in a 10-year period were lucky to shoot 1,000 rounds, and then a dude with a red dot who was shooting 1,000 rounds in a weekend and going, look how unreliable these things are, especially considering that in the early days of, of, of red dots, up until quite recently, there were no red dots designed to go on a slide. Um, sort of the, 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 the quintessential big daddy, the Trijikin RMR, was designed to sit on top of an ACOG. It was never designed to top, sit on top of a slide. Um, it was a, a sort of fortuitous um, coincidence that that worked. Uh, so we had something sort of pressed into service for, for a, a, quite a different function um, that was often getting used quite hard. And as I say, we're now comparing it to, well, I, you know, the, these Novaks haven't broken on this gun that I've shot 500 rounds through since 2017. Yep, exactly. Hmm. Um, one, sorry, one other thing just on fitting in that. Uh, use, use good quality batteries. Um, doesn't matter what optic you've got. Uh, I know that the, the oftentimes recommendation in the States is to use Duracell. Um, I've had pretty good results with Duracell here. I know some guys have had a few issues. Um, based on, on sort of a, a few, uh, you know, a relatively small sample size, but the Vata batteries that we get here seem to be really good quality batteries. Um, in my Acro P1, the battery life has been substantially longer than the Panasonic's, which was all I could get for it before that. Um, but good batteries are going to last longer thanks to charge and are going to be packed tighter and Remember that battery is getting smashed with all the same G-forces that optic. Uh, so the you know no-name brand sort of shit that you bought cheap at spa while you were breeding buying cigarettes. Um, yes, it may cost slightly less than a good battery, but how much is a sixteen, a twenty thirty-two, or sixteen thirty-two, thirty rand, forty rand? Um, for most optics, if you're very conservative, you're going to be spending that once a year. While we're talking about batteries, just so we get that stuff out the way, if you're using an optic that uses a common, easy to find, Discam has it, Clix has it, your local pick and pay might have it, um, have some spare batteries. If you have an optic that has a battery that you have to order online and wait seven weeks for it to arrive because no one in the country keeps it um have more spares than you think you absolutely need um i remember uh t trying to trying to run down some batteries for an acro p1 i'm not picking on the p1 but finding battery for the acro was uh and probably still is really difficult um because they're not commonly available fortunately now i mean you're not going to get them in clicks and pick and pay but uh i, I know i've seen at hailstorm and at uh uh, MRST, the Vartas in the correct size for the P1. Um, also remember that how you store that battery has an effect. So that battery that lives in your in your range bag, um, in the side of your range bag, is a little bit like that condom that, that lives in your wallet. Uh, there's a very good chance it's not um, optimal. Um, so try and keep those spare batteries where they're not subjected to massive fluctuations in heat or, or light or anything like that. Um, I'm told by someone in the battery business that your gun safe is quite a good place to keep your spare batteries. And it stops people stealing them. Yeah. And uh, remember to take batteries to matches. So be sure to pop spare batteries in your range bag or leave them in your car in the cubby or where they, they can remain cold or whatever you need to put them. Because let me tell you, 
a battery. Was it a sixteen thirty-two for a for a for a five or seven four or seven? Yeah, um, is a lot cheaper and a lot easier to carry on you than a bottle of whiskey to say thanks to the dude who gave <laughs> you a battery at a match. Um, thank you, Skulk. You're a great dude. The battery was free, but I appreciate the whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Remember to pack your batteries, dudes. Like it's it's important. Um, don't count on other people having some for you. Um, Sometimes it works out that way and, and we happen to have, but you know, it doesn't always work that way. And sometimes the guy who has a spare battery for you might only have one spare battery at the match and he's going to be really unlikely to give you that because then he doesn't have one. Um, I wasn't shooting a gun with a dot on it. I was shooting you know, my, my skinny guns from the beginning of the last century. So I didn't need any. Yeah, man gun. So I didn't need them, but yeah, be sure to take them with. Um, sorry, just on, on the battery thing, and it's something we can touch on a bit more when we discuss specific optics. But if you have an optic that allows you to change batteries without taking it off, um, you know, just change the battery more often. So if you're if you're running something where you don't have to re-zero the gun to 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 change the battery, and even if you do, uh, maybe before that big match, um, change the battery, check your zero. Uh, and, uh, and and have a fresh battery in there and still have a spare. Uh, but I, I had it once. I never forget. It was the, the KZN Nationals. I had, I'm sorry to say, my endpoint Acura P1. Um, and relatively fresh battery in there. I was like, not going to be a problem. I've got a spare battery. But the night, and the night before, I started having nightmares that my battery was going to fail. And what happens? I walk on the, on the, I get on the stage. I'm, I think, the third shooter on the line. I try and turn on my 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 battery in my holster, my optic in my holster, just to make sure that it's right, and my battery dies. Uh, and my spare batteries were all the way in my car, which, if you remember that match, you know, involved hitchhiking all the way to the car um, and to get there. And fortunately, someone had a spare battery, which which they gave to me. So that's based on experience. What I should have done is changed the battery out the day before, thrown away the city ran battery. Um, and, and just carried on. A little bit of a hitchback from my side back to the installation. So they, like T said, there's some optics that you need to remove the optic from the slide to replace the battery. If you've installed it well, uh, and you maintain that system of how you installed it, if you reinstall it the same way that you had it or very close to, your chances of having an extreme change in zero is unlikely, which is easier to deal with. Hmm. That makes sense. The very last thing I want to say on batteries is uh, if you have a an optic that requires removal of the dot from the gun in order to install a new battery, obviously we already mentioned the correct procedure for installing them and the fact that you need to probably replace the screws, uh, plan that ahead. Because that's it, you, you can't wait for the uh, Loctite to set in the middle of a match. <laughs> so maybe do that the weekend before. Yeah, so just just plan ahead on that one. Cool stuff. So that covers some of the uh, the technical aspects. Um, T, do you want to talk about uh, sort of dot features and things to look for, and 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 why you prefer certain features of dots over others, things like dot size, or okay. do you want to talk about uh, question, or do you want to talk about um, common issues people see when they try to switch from ions? Two dots. 
I'll let you choose which order you want to you want to cover those in. Let's chat about the features and the hardware and that. So, um, there's a couple of things I I really like. This this there's, there's some things I'm a little bit more agnostic on. Um, one thing is I like big dots and I cannot lie. Sorry, um, I, I'm a big fan of uh, sort of eight MOA dots. Um, I, I want a dot bigger than five MOA. Uh, I want a dot that's that's bright. I want a dot that's really visible. Um, I know there's a lot of and there's people I respect who are big fans of one one MOA dots and silly little things like that. Um, and and if 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 my use for the pistol didn't involve a timer. And especially if my use for the pistol involved a lot of shooting B8 to 25 meters as, as my sort of um, measure for, for how the pistol is performing, those would make great sense. Um, once we had the timer, the big dot just, it makes life easier in, in, in a lot of ways, not necessarily the ways you would think. It's not necessarily that much quicker to pick up. Um, what it does do is it moves less really... <laughs> It appears to move less um, in, in, in the screen uh, because you've got a bigger dot. Um, and one of the big things I find for me, and this is this is going to sound a bit peculiar, is bear in mind with a red dot, we, we have target focusing. We're not looking at the dot. Now, if, especially if you're an experienced iron-sighted shooter, you've spent a lifetime trying to focus on the front sight. And now I'm telling you the big bright thing that's even more visible than the, the front sight that's moving around and going, look at me, look at me. You mustn't look at that. You must now look at the target. Um, so the thing that makes red dots so much easier for beginners can be a little bit more challenging for guys who, who've got a bit of experience. Um, I find, and, and a lot of people I've spoken to seem to find that the, the big dot makes it easier to ignore um, and to look through, not so much ignore, but to target focus and then um, put the dot where you want it. So my absolute favorite reticle of all time um, is an, it's only found in one optic. And the first time I heard about it, I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world ever. Um, and I now want to put them on all my guns. And that's the Holosun 407CO specifically has an 8MOA ring. Um, so it's not a solid dot. It's got a it, it's got a, a, a hole in the middle. Um, that is is I think the best reticle around it. It's it's really easy to look through, um, and at the same time, it's it's super visible. It doesn't move around. You're not giving up any real precision. Natmo uh dot is still smaller than the front sight. The nice thin fiber optic front sight on my classic gun. Um, so, you know, this, this, oh, it's going to be huge. No, it's, it's not, um, you know, eight MOA covers what? And two inches at, uh, at 25 meters, um, or 25 yards. Uh, so that's not a hell of a lot. Um, but I, I like big dots, um, on, I really don't like little dots. And, and the problem with little dots is a lot of guys want to then put the, they say, no, you can, you can just adjust the brightness higher and, and kind of bloom it and that'll make it appear bigger. And the challenge there is that, that you're going to, when you bloom it, you, you, you get sort of a bit more of a starburst effect. You, you get, you're not, you're not just getting a dot in your lens. You're now getting all, all the sort of, reflected light or what the fuck ever it is. Um, 
that that that's picking up every little piece of of dust and anything that's attached itself to your lens. So that's that size I prefer big dots. Um, if if you're running something, uh, maybe we'll get to this the other way. I want something that that I can auto adjust the brightness of myself, or I can manually adjust the brightness of myself. Um, auto adjust is wonderful if you only ever shoot outdoors. Um, you know, the, the dots I use generally have an option of both. And if I'm outside, I'll stick them on auto adjust, you know, if I'm shooting a match or whatever, because then it works perfectly. If if it's a if it's a dot you're gonna put on a carry gun, I wanna be able to manually adjust it. Uh, because there are lighting conditions and, and quite sort of possible lighting conditions in defensive shooting where the dot's going to be set wrong. Because remember, the auto adjustment is on the dot itself, not on the target. And, and, and how it works, and this is sometimes a bit counterintuitive to people, is the brighter it is, the brighter you need to, to turn your dot, and the darker it is, the dimmer you need your dot. Um, because obviously if it's really dark, a really bright dot is, is going to flare out more. And if it's really bright, a dim dot's not going to be visible. Where the challenge comes in with, with, with auto-adjusting dots is you're standing in a dark place and your target is well lit. The dot's gone, it's dark, let me dim down. The target's bright. You can't, you, you can't necessarily see the dot. Um, you Even worse, you shine a bright light on that target from your side, the dot's still staying dull, the target's now even more lit up, you don't have a visible dot. So if you're going to be using an auto-adjusting dot, you want the biggest dot you can get because that'll help with some of that. Um, but I really do prefer a manually adjustable dot. Uh, that, that, that's my preference. Um, I, if, if it's got both options, that, that's really cool but I, I'd, I'd like to have the, the ability to manually override it. And yes, that does mean that you've got to remember um, to adjust it slightly, but I'd rather have it set a little bit too bright than too dark uh, or too dull, dim. Um, but, but, you know, you, it's also something that you've just got to kind of mess around with and see which settings on your dot work for you. I would prefer to have a, um, a, a battery that's removable without taking the optic off the gun. Uh, once again, that's it's not the end of the world, especially with the battery life that we're seeing um, on, on a lot of optics now. But I would, given the choice, I would prefer it because it makes it easier to to replace batteries on the rig. And, and something to bear in mind is the various manufacturers recommend or, or advertise all sorts of battery lives. Um, and bear in mind that's like the fuel consumption your manufacturer advertises for your car that's under very specific circumstances that you're never going to find yourself in because it's not in the really real world um so you know you, you're probably if it's a carry gun if it's a competition gun and it spends the entire week switched off and you switch it on when you go practice at your match on saturday then it'll last longer than they advertise if it's a carry gun and it's on all the time and it's on a on a somewhat brighter setting it's probably going to die quicker than than they, than they advertise um, the 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 407k on my uh, on my G48 needed a new battery the other day after about six months, um, and you know what? I'm not butthurt at all. Uh, I've got it set with it's got quite a big um, reticle. It's on quite a bright setting, and what was nice with that is it started um, flashing to let me know that it needed to be replaced. Uh, stuck it in the safe, took another gun out, got up the next morning, I'd left it on, took it out. 
and it was still flashing. So I still had a dot. It hadn't died. It didn't start flashing 15 seconds before it was going to die. Um, so fortunately with that, I could take it off without, or I could replace it without taking it off again. But it, I like the fact that it, it let me know that it was dying. But you know what? So I know on that now, every three months, I'm probably going to replace the battery. Uh, it's it's not it's not a catastrophe. We're not talking about spending fortunes of money. Um, if you've got an Acro P1, you're going to be replacing that probably monthly. Um, apparently, the new P2 and C2 they they've substantially increased the battery life. I'd I'd like to play around with that. Um, I'm also quite agnostic on enclosed emitters. I, I, I know that, and, and that means that instead of the, the sort of classic style where you've got the front lens and, and the emitters not covered by anything, um, I, I appreciate the argument that about what a closed emitter offers under really adverse conditions. I think for most of us, especially if it's a concealed carry gun or a competition gun, um, it, it's not really exposed to the elements. I don't think it's the end of the world. And, and the downside, obviously, to the exposed emitter or, or the enclosed emitter systems is is more bulk. So the the P1, the the, the hollow sun five hundred nine, um, you've got this wonderful enclosed system. If, if if I was carrying a duty gun in a duty holster in it where it's exposed and, and in a security holster, that makes sense. But on a on a concealed carry gun. That's another print point, and I and I did have that with my with my Acro when I had that on my seventeen. Um, there was another point for to, to print. It was that much more challenging to conceal. Was it the end of the world? No, but it did make a little bit of a difference. That makes sense. Um, I guess some some slightly random questions on that. Um, optics overhanging the slide, big problem. No one fucking cares. Sometimes a problem. No, if if. If it's a system that's open at the bottom uh, and that the waterproofing comes from the slide and it overhangs the slide, we might we might have a less than ideal situation. Um, a, a lot of the optics are going to overhang the slides. You know, Glocks are, are relatively square and the Trigicons, the, the full-size hollow suns, a lot of the, the delta points overhang it ever so slightly. Um, I've never noticed carrying it. I've never noticed it being an issue. I'm sure if you, you know, if I tried to put an entire ear tech on here, that would be a challenge. But with a little bit of overhang you have on these, I, I haven't, I haven't had it be a problem. That makes sense. Um, I guess another question is uh, mounting position on the gun. If you were going to get it cut uh, as far back as possible, uh, or slightly forward. And uh, as low down as possible or minimum sort of depth cut into the slide? Um, I know these are stupid questions, but no, I'm no. sure there are a lot of people looking at this going, we don't know what this is. Um, to answer those backwards, sorry, it's raining here a little bit, so I hope you can hear me clearly. Um, yeah, we can hear I, I, Obviously, I want it as low down as possible. I'd, I'd like to, and, and it's one of the downsides of... of uh, uh, the dovetail mounts is that it gets your dot really far away from where you're used to looking for the sights. So I, I ideally want that dot as uh, mounted as low as possible, sort of as close to where the normal sights would be as possible as, as we can. Um, obviously, if it's mounted too close to the ejection port, you do get some ejector out of there. You're going to get a little bit more minged on the, on the slide that you shoot it. Um, we've got a gun at work that we're messing around with at the moment that we've cut uh, the dovetail in front of the rear, the, the um, optic um, 
for the backup iron sights. I'm going to mess around with that and see. I, I think, I don't think it really matters that much. Uh, it, it's not something I'd be too pent up for. I, I probably wouldn't put my object where my front sight was. Um, but that, again, I don't think it matters. That you wouldn't mount it in like the classic Desert Eagle style. Well, if I had a Desert Eagle, that's completely different because then I would be so full that it, it, it would be about style more than anything else. More than anything else. That, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't think the, the positioning, particularly forward and backwards, or left, really matters as long as um, if you need backups, you can still manage those. And we'll talk yeah. about those in a, in a moment. But if you if you need actual backup irons, so it's not an integrated feature of the dot, as long as you can still manage those, whether you cut new uh, a new dovetail in front of the optic or you leave the existing dovetail in place, that's cool. As long as, like you said, you don't end up being far enough forward that you're ending up with ejection problems. Um, especially, especially if you've got a gun like uh, an MP and a there's a couple of things with the, the loaded chamber, and I'm not picking on any of the guns, I'm just making an observation. With the loaded chamber indicator, it's a hole drilled, it's a hole in the back of the chamber. And if your optic's really close to that, you've got more chance of it getting splooge uh, on the optic uh, than if it was further back. That makes sense. Um, I know with, uh, there were some pictures floating around, and this might have been a a relatively uncommon problem, but I, I did see some with the what is the new Trigicon sort of competition optimized optic SRO SRO, SRO. because the SRO is the, the 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 front of the optic body is slightly taller and slightly forward of the footprint of where the uh, the uh, the RMR would sit. Guys had some problems with ejections on those. Uh, using the exact same mounting location that they would have for uh, for the RMR. So that's something to bear in mind if you do go to an SRO. Um, I don't know how common the problem is, but it, it can be a problem because of that overhang. Um, cool. Which features did we not speak about? Lens um, Cool. Bigger Let's talk about lens make, size. Bigger lenses makes a lot easier. easier. Um, yes, if you're, if, you're, if you're indexing them perfectly every time, it doesn't really matter. Um, Bigger lenses are a little bit more forgiving. It's especially um, up and down, sort of um, twelve o'clock to six o'clock, uh, because that's the vast majority of the time that that someone can't find the dot. It's because the dot's too high. So bigger lenses, the SRO, and it's something we'll get to, but. If I was putting it on a carry gun due to use or, or not, I, if I was going to carry a trigger gun optic, it would be an SRO, not an RMR. Shock horror. Um, but the SRO, the Delta Point, um, I can't keep up with the SIGs. It's the Romeo Turbo Death Ninja Max to the extreme rocker mic like a banjo. Um, has a really, really big lens. Um, the bigger lenses are a little bit more forgiving especially sorry um, you would mention a banjo sued. <laughs> we're gonna get sued by robert van winkle um and and especially for sort of less experience because that's one of the things you get as well well I, I don't have any problem finding this teeny tiny little dot well you've got 400 million rounds on red dots and now you're talking to a dude who's just got his first red dot or, 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 or a, a, a person of any gender really who's just got no first red dot um 
And uh, yeah, so that the bigger dot's a little bit more forgiving. It's also a little bit more forgiving. Oh, the bigger lens, sorry. It's a little bit more forgiving if you're in a body position where your index suffers as well. That makes sense. Um, question, hmm. kind of random. I remember seeing something about this. To the left. Fucking years ago, but uh, I don't recall who did the test. Optic tint. I know that there were some dudes complaining about uh, optic color and discoloration of uh, of targets and things. I don't see that being a major problem, but I've never experienced that, so I don't know if it is. It, it's it's a pretty common it's one of the guys, and and there's a swings and roundabouts here. So one of the ones you get a lot of complaints about is is with the trigicons, especially the RMRs, is that blue tint, um, and there can be a little bit of a fishbowl effect. The fishbowl, it, it's. It's not the end of the world. The parallax shouldn't be a major issue. The tint, how that, how they get the massive battery life is from that tint. Um, if if you don't have the tint, you need a brighter sort of, and I'm not using particularly technical terms because I'm not a particularly clever man, um, but you need a brighter projection of the LED onto onto the lens um, without the tint to, for it to be visible. So that's why an RMR with that funny little blue tint has a five-year battery life and why Delta Point Pro with the same size dot and the same uh, battery has a 200-hour battery life or a 300-hour battery life or whatever they're advertising at the moment. So if, if, if you've got both eyes open and you're target focusing like you should, I don't, it's generally not as much of an issue as people make it out to be. Uh, you know, big clear lens is nice, but it's not really the end of the world. Awesome. I, I have a couple of more mm. of these. Um, I don't know if Garrett has some that he wants to hop on with before I continue. Mr. Evans is signaling the uh, please continue corn. Uh, um, Good job. One of, the, one of the other ones that I have, yay, one of the <laughs> other ones that I've, I've, I've heard of, but I have not personally experienced with red dots on guns. I, I've experienced it with other things. Um, selection of shooting glasses. Uh, I, I have heard stories about polarized glasses hiding dots, and I know that can happen. Uh, I haven't experienced that with dots specifically, but I've, I've seen it with other stuff. I, I, I had an event. I think it, I, it happened to me. I think it was at a SAPS Nationals that we were shooting once. Uh, I had a Delta Point Pro on my gun, um, going to the safety area, have a, have a, you know, do a couple of draws, go, shit, my, my, my dots gotten really done. Um, turn it up, doesn't help. No problem. Okay. Change battery. Uh, ooh, this hasn't fixed it. Start worrying, start worrying. Eventually realize that the problem is the polarization of my glasses has um, made the dot really dull. Change, change glasses, all of a sudden the dot's super, valuable, super visible again. So I think, and I'm I'm not I'm I'm not an eye doctor, but I think there is a combination of of how how exactly the glasses are set up, the dot you have in your eyes, but it is something to be aware of. It's also something to be aware of if you have a dot in your carry gun and you wear polarized sunglasses when you're driving. Um, so don't just check what your dot your, your dot looks like with with your shooting glasses. Make sure that any glasses you're wearing. Uh, you, you're still going to be able to see it because I know with those particular glasses and that dot, it was it was so dull, it was it was almost not visible or invisible to use English. 
that makes sense. And if if the the, the polarization on mm, you think back to the photography days, but I, I think that if you have the exact opposite polarization between your glasses and your optic, it would go entirely black. You wouldn't be able to see it all. Um, and as those angles close to get more and more the same, it'll become brighter and brighter to the point where the polarization doesn't matter. Um, so carefully evaluate that if you're going to do that sort of stuff. And like T said, especially for uh, your carry gun with whatever glasses you wear in the car or out in the sun, whatever, be, be sure to check that stuff out. Um, another one I wanted to ask about has obviously left my head um, because that's the way they work. Um but should be back very shortly, I hope. <laughs> Otherwise, me going, I've got a couple of more of these is 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 kind of a, a lie. Oh, uh, Parallax? You know, for, for most of what we're going to do with a, a sort of practical pistol, so be it defensive or, or, or practical competition, IPC, IDPA, um, the Parallax isn't going to really be enough to be a massive concern. Um, if you're trying to shoot the 50-meter little... Um, boil under uh, plate, try and have the dots sort of centered in the lens. Um, you're going to have the least sort of um, parallax of the dots centered in the lens, but you're also not going to have the, all the benefits of the dot if you're constantly trying to center it in the lens. So it's for, for most of what we do, it really is a non issue. Most of my advertisers parallax free, which isn't really true, um, but, but for most of what we're going to do with the pistol. I, I wouldn't worry too much about that. Cool stuff. And I actually just made some notes so that I don't forget the other ones I have. I have three more, and then we should probably get into some of the the, the, the technicalities of shooting dots. Um, I'm going to do these in a different order to what I noted them down. Uh, dot color? I prefer red dots. Um, some people who... Uh, we, we, we have a, a mutual friend who, because of a... I don't know if it's an astigmatism or a color issue. Um, he sees green dots substantially better than red dots. Um, as a general rule, I find the green ones are, are they're, they're generally not as crisp, um, which doesn't really matter, but it, uh, I find it ends up annoying me. Um, I also find visibility issues uh, that it just, it's weird. So on, a fiber, on fiber optics, I find green is a lot more visible for me. Um, and red can 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 be overpowering. Maybe it's because I can adjust it on a red dot. But I I I don't prefer green. I find it um, it just it's harder for me to look through. Uh, I, I find a little bit like a small dot. I end up finding myself trying to look for it. So I prefer red. But you've got to kind of see once again your your eyes. Um, can you look through it? Can can it? Can you shoot it fast and accurately? Uh, but for most people, I don't think it's really worth spending the money on the, on the green one. And uh, as I understand it, battery life is really not as good. I was about to say the battery life is, is, is less optimal. Not necessarily terrible, but battery life will be less. So that's dot color. Um, the next one that I think people might be interested in is uh, holster compatibility, both sort of competition stuff and, uh, and carry stuff. Yep. More and more modern holsters are designed to be compatible with the red dot. Um, so what I would suggest is if you are buying a holster um, and if, even if you don't have a red dot, try and, you know, try and get the, the dot compatible one for, for if you do add a dot, uh, you know, competition holsters, if you're running sort of an Ipsic speed style rig, 
uh, it's not going to matter. Um, some holsters like the Raven Morrigan are not going to be optic optic compatible. There, so that's something to bear in mind. Uh, but with with most of the more modern holsters, the 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 Fulsters, the Tenicors, the Dogstar gears, that sort of thing, you're generally going to be good to go. Also, holsters are not that expensive in the grand scheme of things. You you no. can probably if you can afford a dot of suitable quality to consider for a carry gun, you can consider an optimal holster that is dot compatible. Just be aware that dot compatible, red dot compatible, does not necessarily mean compatible to your red dot. You've got to check. They're pretty universal these days because all the dots have gotten smaller. But if you're a dude who wants to run like an EOTech on your <laughs> carry gun, that's probably not going to fit. One in the holster and two on you. And I, I have I have a couple of holsters that were not dot, got dot compatible and then got smacked with a Dremel and are now dot compatible as well. So there's some designs like the Raven Morrigan that aren't going to be modifiable just because of how the design works or, or I can't see how to modify it. But there's a fair amount of holsters where you could quite easily make it make it work with a dot. Uh, cool stuff. And I think, sorry, uh, something that comes up all the time. It really it doesn't make the gun any less concealable um, and, unless you're trying to. It's not going to work in a pocket gun or, or particularly well in an ankle gun. But if you if you're both carrying um, a gun with red dots, no less concealable than a gun with iron sights, provided it's not closed emitter, which T mentioned earlier. Yeah. And um, something else I want to say on that is, it does not add any discernible weight to the guns at all. It doesn't change the timing of the guns because it's not adding a lot of weight. Um, if you stick a red dot on your gun, you obviously need to do a little bit of testing to make sure that, that you're not running into, into like uh, reliability issues. But I think the odds of that being a problem due to fitting a red dot are so small as to pretty much never be the case. Still test, especially with a carry gun, but probably never going to be a problem. Yeah, I've not seen it yet, but yeah, it's, I mean, anything is possible. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't worry about it, but carry gun, you need to do a little yeah. bit of testing either way. Um, not do, do the do the testing to make sure that your dot isn't going to experience like, uh, you know, infant fatality. And at the same time, you can make sure you, your gun actually runs. And uh, so you can learn how to use that dot. That's it. I have no other questions on the, on the hardware front uh, unless Mr. Evans has some. Or you have something else that we've missed, T-Bag. We can we can Do roll into the brands at all, or yeah. So um, I said, if, if you have something else we need to discuss, because I like skipped so over that entirely. One of the questions we get all the time is, what what red dots do we recommend? Um, I I don't sell red dots, so I, I don't have a, a dog in the fight. Um, my personal favorite pistol-mounted red dot is the Holosun 407 CO. Um, if if that's compatible with your gun. That's the one I prefer. Uh, it's it's an HMOA ring. Uh, it's really nice, durable design. Um, they've got a lot of things right on that. Um, I've had a fair number of hollow suns. I have had one fail at like 350 rounds, which was replaced straight away for me. Um, it's it's a mechanical device, mechanical device, or electronic device. Electronic devices can fail. Uh, so. I'm quite a big Hollow Sun as a brand fanboy because they they seem to be one of the few things in the world that have managed to be relatively cost effective and really good. Um, they 
I don't think they give up anything to a lot of a lot more expensive brands, um, but they do cost a little bit less. Um, you don't have quite the same warranty, but we we discussed that earlier. So uh, I, I I'm a big Holosun fanboy, and and the TLRD the TLDR version of this is that's what I recommend you get. Um, if that's not available, uh, the on on the 507C and 507K range, they have have three reticle options, and and the new the 509 v2 or whatever it is the the second version of the, the 509 also has the three radical options the, the earlier ones only had two as far as i know um so the options are a 2 moa dot which i've discussed before i'm not a big fan of a 32 moa moa ring and moa is is minutes of angle it's roughly it covers an inch and 100 meters a 32 moa ring with a a, a two inch dot which I find a little bit busy, and the option of just the 32 MOA ring, which is my default recommendation for guys running those. Um, it bakes people's noodles. I get lots of resistance. People think it's not going to be accurate. It's not going to work really well. Um, I've shot 35 meter poppers pretty damn quickly um, using just the just the ring over it, it, just the ring in a match. Um, I find the the ring works really well. It's almost as good as that eight MOA circle. Your, your brain generally pretty good at centering things in a ring because it's that big ring you don't you don't see that one of the problems with little dots is because they move around so much they're more likely to make you do that El snatcho now moment when it looks perfect the bigger dots and the big ring like that are, are quite a bit more forgiving of that so i really like the hollow suns the most popular so the most commonly recommended optic around um is generally the trigicans um the rmr and SRO, both of which are, are fantastic optics. They're they're super durable. They're they're really well designed. Um, the challenge I want to blunt here in, in 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 South Africa in particular is they are substantially more expensive than than the other stuff around. Um, so having a spare is a bit more of a challenge. Um, and you are going to wait a little bit for a warranty claim. They are really good about replacing stuff under warranty, but. Uh, my experience has been that it's going to go back to the States um, and then come back. So you're going to need a spare either way. Um, and as we've discussed, anything can fail and can fail at the most in an opportune moment. So having a backup hollow sun is going to cost, you know, two hollow suns are going to cost you less than than one um, trigicon. Uh, so that that is the, that is unfortunately the, the biggest challenge with them. Um, the RMR is a relatively small lens and it's relatively sort of um, short at six o'clock to 12 o'clock. Uh, it's super durable, um, though I've seen them fail and I've seen them have weird electronic failures. So don't let anyone tell you nothing will fail. Um, I, if I was going to carry a, a Trigicon Optic, as I said earlier, it would be an SRO, um, which freaks people out because Aaron Cowan said it's not ready for duty use and he's probably right but I don't carry a duty gun. Um, so I'm a little bit less concerned about that. And I I, I do think it, it works slightly better. So if I was going to carry one, I'd, I'd carry the 5 MOA SRO. Uh, Leopold Delta Point, um, apparently the latest generation ones are quite a bit more durable. They have had some, some slightly more problematic batches. Warranty is really good, but you are going to be without an optic for a couple of months. Um, really nice big lens, really nice clear glass. Um, I think they've introduced a slightly bigger dot option recently as well. It used to be the option of a two and a half MOA dot or a seven and a half MOA triangle. 
Um, I believe recently they've they've dropped the triangle and then I have, I think it's a six MOA dot, but don't uh, don't quote me on that um, as as an option. Um, downside with those, the battery life's not quite as it's not quite as bad as Acura P1, but it's not in the same class as the others. It's an easy battery to change, which is nice. Um, my biggest issue with them, and, and I wouldn't have an issue going back to Delta Point, but my biggest issue with them is the, the switching's unideal. Uh, on, on the Holosun and on the, um, the Trijicon and on the Aimpoint and on the Vortex and most options, you have two separate batteries, one that goes brighter and the one that goes duller. On the, on the Delta Point, you have one battery that or one button that I think it's got, if I remember correctly, it's seven brightness levels. I could be wrong there. And and you you have to stage through all the way, or if you hold it in for long enough, it changes directions. But part of the problem is the battery, your, to push the button, your finger is between the lens and the reticle. So you can't watch the lens adjust um, or, or, or the reticle adjust in brightness. So that I think is is not the greatest um the, the the greatest sort of design as i say solid optic I, I ran them on a couple of guns for a couple of years um the early ones seemed to be quite the delta point pro seemed to be pretty durable there was a bit of a battery where we had some some slightly quicker failures uh and uh, the new ones with a, the blue circuit board and where the, the the plate isn't a cross it's an x um, are apparently dramatically improved. I haven't, I haven't tried one of those yet, um, but that would be an option. Uh, what else have we got? We've got the shields. Um, love the agents. Uh, the glass ones do do are, are a little bit more durable on the lens. I got to be honest. My my only downside with the shield is I want manual adjustment. Uh, manual adjustment. I'm, I, I don't like the fact that I can't manually adjust it on a uh, on a carry gun. Um, who else have we got? We've got Aimpoint. Um, as I say, the, apparently the P2 and C2 Acros have, have substantially better battery life. The, the Acro series is probably one of the most bomb-proof optics um, money can buy. Um, as I said, the, the downside with the early ones was the battery life was, was really, really short, especially on usable settings. I'd like it to have a bigger dot. It's a three and a half MOA dot, which, which isn't my absolute favorite thing in the world. Um, but it's a pretty good, it, you know, it's, it's a workable optic. It's a workable design. Um, and I'd like to get my hands on, on a C2 and just see what the battery life is like on those. Uh, Vortex, I believe Vortex have got some really exciting stuff coming at the moment. I'm, I, I don't think their pistol-mounted red dots are necessarily the best products they make right now. Um, but I, 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 have, I have heard from people I respect that there's some very exciting stuff coming there. Uh, who else is there that I really care about? Any, anyone else? No, I think that's that's the major players. Um, I I do want to say a couple of things. The first one is I think this show should be a two-parter because I have some more hardware questions that I need to ask, and perhaps we cover the the software side next week. Um, if you're okay with that, otherwise I'll I'll cut this out. Because I have a couple of more hardware questions that have popped up now that you mentioned this stuff, and uh, I don't think we're going to have sufficient time to get into the software stuff in depth. Um, sorry, Paul, just interrupt you there. I made your hardware pop up. What? Yes, and you turned it into software. <laughs> 
sorry. No, I was actually saying while I was prattling along there that uh, we might need to do a hardware and a software on. I think that's that's going to be sensible. So I want to say first, actually, before I say that, let's let's start off with some things that have popped up while you were talking. Um, is it important to consider the footprint of the optic? And I mean, when I say footprint, I don't mean size that it covers on the slide. We covered that earlier. Um, do you care about interchangeability? Mm. Do you care that if you cut it for a, for an RMR, you can also fit a insert X here? Because I can't remember what was footprint compatible. I know there are some, but. Hello, son. Um, yeah, I think that's an excellent point, and I do think it's a it's a valuable thing. Um, footprint being the basically the 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 cutout for 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 the optic. If you've got a, a, a an interchangeable optic system, so a Glock Moss, uh, an MNP Core, a CZ Optic Ready, whatever, it's less of a challenge because new optic comes out, you change the plate. If you're getting the gun cut. Um, and I've seen guys do this where they get the gun cut for a particular optic and it proves to not be the, the ideal optic. It proves to not quite necessarily be the optic that they want to run. Um, and now it's a challenge to change that out. So the advantage to, I do wish the manufacturers would sort of standardize on optics um, on footprints. And apparently SIG, I think SIG have three or four different footprints for SIG optics. Um, and I'm not just bagging on SIG. I mean, I like to bag on SIG, but I'm not just bagging on SIG. But um, they have three or four different uh, footprints for, for their optics, which obviously comes with a challenge if you now want to upgrade. So if if you've got a plate system, it's less of a challenge. If you're direct milling, I would probably lean towards the, the RMR footprint because that's going to give you – the big ones it's going to give you is, is the RMR, the SRO, and all of the pretty much all of the hollow suns except the 509 and the Ks. Um, so it's going to give you a relatively uh, future-proof uh, um, footprint because I would be very surprised if the next-gen hollow sun or the next-gen Trijicon uh, changes the footprint or suddenly becomes shit. Um, so if you've got that footprint, there's a good chance you're always going to be able to get um, a, a decent optic to fit it uh, on on the slimline guns, the the shield, the the Sig Romeo Zero, and the Hollow Sun Ks have a very similar footprint. It's not identical. So if you have a gun cut for shield, you may have to have um, some little some some little mod mods made for it to take four or seven. It'll still be shield compatible after that, um, in my experience anyway. So. I would so on, on those slim guns, so slimline guns, Glock 48s, um, 6365, Smith and Wesson Shields, uh, it would probably make more sense to to cut it for that uh, because there I think the overhang could be a little bit much if you put a delta point on it. Um, and and there are solid optics that, that'll fit that footprint. Um, and some guys prefer to go with that that sort of footprint on a on a 1911 or on a, a CZ-75 style slide because they're narrower. Um, I've seen guys even put the narrow footprint on, on PO7s and, and Glocks and that. I I personally wouldn't do that. I'd rather have the bigger, more durable optic with the bigger lens and with the hollow suns with the, the, the solar panels and all of that um, on on a, a normal with sort of pistol. 
but yeah, uh, the delta point footprint is is quite popular as well. Um, it's when you start cutting it for sort of weird and wonderful little footprints that that you may you may have a bit, a bit more of a challenge. But hopefully one day everyone will pick a footprint and stick to it. Unlikely, but that would be cool. Exactly. Speaking of footprints and and standardizing things, and this is a question that is not super applicable to South Africa because we really don't have the options available. There are some manufacturers in the States that are doing aftermarket cuts mm. to plates that are a really cool interchangeable system. Uh, some of them offer, um, I've seen at least, uh, backup irons, either forwards or, or to the rear of the dot, integrated into the plate system. Um, of it, like I said, not not really applicable to South Africa, but it's probably a good idea to just mention off the aftermarket plate systems, um, both in the sense of optics ready guns where guys are buying aftermarket plates, and the sense of guns cut specifically to an aftermarket dot uh, aftermarket plate system to fit multiple dots. You know, obviously there's and there's swings and roundabouts with that. Uh, we, we would expect that. If you direct mount an optic, um, you've managed to take away a failure point. So you, you've taken away not only the failure point of the plate, but the screws that hold that plate in, in place. So generally with a plate system, not always, but often with a plate system, you've got screws that hold the plate and then screws that hold the optic. Um, so, so we've got more, more, more possibilities for failure. Uh, done properly, I don't think it's quite the issue people like to make it out. Um, out to be and done properly it does it does give you that degree of future proofing so um, you know you, you got your a silly example and we're not we're not picking on it because I think it's a good optic but you got your gun cut for a, a 9 point Acura P1 and I use that because it's a very specific footprint that sadly Holosun didn't copy on the 509 um, you got your gun cut for that and now you want to change it well, nothing else fits that footprint. So you're now married to, to that system. Uh, so the plate does give you that, that advantage. I think for, for, for most users, as long as it's properly mounted, it doesn't really matter. Um, and it sure as hell doesn't matter as much as the internet, internet likes to make it out. Uh, you know, guys with there, oh, you cannot use a Glock MOS unless you use this brand of aftermarket plate. And then sometimes you get the, oh, I got this brand of aftermarket plate and there was a machining failure or it's not straight. or So, yeah, I, th I think people sometimes get a little bit excitable. And, and as we've discussed before, one of the great challenges with the internet is I have an issue. So I post on a forum and go, oh, shit, I had this happen. And then Corn posts, oh, shit, I saw a mate of mine have this. And then Gaz posts, oh, shit, I saw a mate of mine has, has, have this. And then, then my username on a different forum is totally different. And I post it again, and I go, this is what happened. And now all of a sudden, one incident has become four incidents. That is why I only use Wealthy Big Penis as my uh, username on all forums. You can look me up. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, luckily wow. this is this is late enough in the episode that most people won't hear that <laughs> but that's going on your next welcome to the gun show shirt that is going on the next welcome to the gun show shirt um so 
some more questions that have popped up and I think we sort of skipped over these earlier though we mentioned that we would talk about it. Um, backup irons, and I'm going to ask some questions specifically. Forward or rearwards of the dots, and I know we briefly mentioned that earlier. Height? Doesn't matter. Um, I think forward or rearward of the dot really doesn't matter. Um, with regards height, I want them as unobtrusive as possible. So I, I kind of want like a lower quarter or a lower fifth. Uh, I, I, I had a guy in course the other day with a, the set of backup iron sites that was sort of, they were very close to true co-witness um, on a gun with an RMR. So the actual usable lens was this tiny little sliver and this tiny little post box. Uh, and, and it took a hell of a lot away from how useful the thing could be. So uh, <laughs> backup iron sights are just that. They're a backup. They shouldn't get in the way of your primary aiming system. Uh, and as I've said before, it's a good thing we've got a red dot so that when those backup iron sights fail, we've still got a way to aim. But uh, um, yeah, if, if you're going to run backup iron sights, and, and we, I'm sure you want to discuss the, the if we're there just now, uh, I, I want them, I, I, I want them as unobtrusively as possible. So the two guns that that I kind of consider carryable guns. Um, the one's got uh, it's it's got a factory Glock MOS system. I know I'm going to get killed on the streets uh, with the Mary Glow. I think they're GL429s, which are just visible in the bottom there, but they don't get in the way, and I can ignore them. Uh, and my G48 has got a, a Holosun 507K, which has a little notch in the rear sight that you can use in the rear that you can use as a very rough rear sight, and it's not going to be super focused you know, super zeroable and it's not going to give the best 25 meter groups on a B8. So um, I may get killed on the streets, but it does, it, it can be lined up with, with a normal height front sight. Um, something guys also forget with those giant sails of backup iron sights, especially if um, like me, you're, you're slightly fluffy. Um, those big sharp pieces of metal dig into your body a hell of a lot. Uh, you know, I had a set of Dawson, at a, a Delta Point Pro, and again with a set of the Dawson Delta Point Pro backup iron sights, which are gigantic. You couldn't shoot them in too much wind because, like, the gun would, would point in the direction that the wind was blowing. Um, and 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 those become a challenge on, on your body, um, especially like your Turk side. If you're carrying something like a Vanguard, you've got this giant menorah blade um, right by your. Uh, Region. Yes. This is why they call it vasectomy carry. If you yes. use the correct backups, you can do that job yourself. You don't have to pay a doctor. You've mentioned some of the stuff I wanted to ask. So I'll mention the other stuff I want to ask, and you've probably covered some of these. Front side only you covered with the uh using a an optic with an integrated something as a as a rear sight, not necessarily super accurate, but absolutely serviceable. Spoke about height in reference to height, not just the cutting and the, the digging, holster compatibility. Yeah. If they go too big, you're going to, you're going to get start, start getting limited. Um, once again, a lot of modern holsters are cut with that idea in mind. And generally, if you order an optic ready one, that that's going to be part of the design. But I came across some holsters that would not work with those Delta Point Pro compatible um, backup sites because they were just, they, I, I think they were, at least a half inch high. Um, so what's that? 12.7 millimeters, possibly even higher. That that it, it started becoming problematic. Um, so yeah, 
something to be aware of. Last couple of things on uh, on 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 backup irons, night sights, fibers, plain black, three dot system to compete with your other dot. So, dot if off. you if you're gonna run a fiber front on like fiber rear sights are dumb. So just fuck off with that silliness. If you're going to run a fiber front sight with a fiber backup front sight, make sure that the fiber in it is a different color to your red dot. So that you don't go, oh, look, there's a bright red flash. And this we'll discuss in next week's episode. Let me shoot off the bright red flash. Why did my bullet hit a foot high at 10 meters? Boom, why did my bullet hit a foot high at 10 meters? Oh shit, that's not actually my dot. Let me fix that. Ask me how I know this. Um, my preference, and, and, a, and a lot of people end up recommending this as well, is, is relatively plain um, sights. I, I never want anything in the rear sight of, of, of pretty much anything because also as I get older, my sight, my eyes want to look at the rear sight, which makes it even more of a challenge. Um, but when you start having the, 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 this thing popping on your rear side, it attracts your eyes, uh, which is bad. Um, you, you could run a front night sight. It can get a little bit confusing in the, in the dark. It's not the end of the world. Um, and some people run plain black sights and, 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 and sometimes paint the front sight a contrasting color. Uh, I, my, my G17 has, has a plain black set of, of GL429s. Um, because one of the things I'm pretty adamant about is I don't want my backup iron sights making my dot less effective. Um, and, and I think a lot of backup iron sight systems are, it's almost like putting four Mari, Mari wheel, wheels on your car so that you can make sure that your spare wheel doesn't make you suffer when you put on your spare Mari biscuit. Uh, they, they get so intrusive. I hope that analogy works for people. And if you're, you're overseas, it's probably going to make no um, emergency space savers um, I I don't want things taking my attention away from being able to use the dot uh, I've, I've I've heard the argument I've possibly even made the argument about how you can use the the backup iron sights to help you find the dot um, the challenge with that is you're now making the dot less effective you're taking away the speed and accuracy advantages of the dots um, because you're trying to you're trying to use it, you know, you're trying to use the gun in the wrong way because the way you've become accustomed to it is not the right way to use that particular gun uh, in a very convoluted sort of way. So I don't, I don't teach people to use the, the backup iron sights to find the dot um, because the problem is also once you've learned to do that, it's now really hard to stop doing that. So I, I don't want those things getting in the way if I can avoid it. Um, and I, I suppose what you're kind of setting up is, is for me to blaspheme a little bit here and say, I think backup iron sights are nice to have. I don't think they're a must-have. Uh, I think modern dots are pretty damn reliable, uh, especially if you maintain them properly. I think, and this is assuming you've got a good dot, uh, to, to, to steal a sort of concept chosen by by. Chuck, or, or, or sort of pushed by or mentioned by Chuck Pressburg in the past. The worst day in your life has happened because you've got to now use your defensive pistol. Um, we may take the gamble that on that worst day of your life that that's not going to be the same day that your dot fails because then 
the gods really fucking hate you and it sucks to be you. Um, I have backup iron sights on my gun. Um, I've carried a gun without backup iron sights and managed to not get killed on the streets. Um, I don't I don't want those things to get in the way of, of, of my, my red dot. They're not quite as useful as people want to want to make out. They they are really useful if the reason you you need them is because your dot your dot didn't dot, um, which is less and less common with modern dots. Um, where they become more useful is or where they 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 don't have great uses if there's something occluding your vision. So if if that lens has been smashed and gone spiderweb, you're not going to see that you're not going to be able to use the backup iron sights. If there's mud or gunk or something in there, you're not going to be able to use the backup iron sights anyway. And the other thing is a lot of us, like me and a lot of people, are, are running plain black plain black backup iron sights, which means in the dark, they're not going to be visible either. Uh, so I think they're nice to have. I, I don't think you're going to get killed in the streets without them. Um, I, there are ways to to aim the pistol using a, a non-functional red dot iron sight. Um, if you if you and, and you know we 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 do that in the course. Um, and a funny course. observation. <laughs> funny observation I had uh, on the red dot course you did, Corn. Um, a lot of guys on the course had backup iron sights in their gun. So I go, awesome, everyone switch off your red dots and let's fire. It was, I think it was five shots at the head of five meters or something. And let's see how you aim. And exactly zero people lined up their backup iron sights. And when I said afterwards, okay, so who used your backup iron sights? Guys looked at me and were like, oh, fuck yeah, I have those things. Um, so... <sighs> I think to think that while someone's trying to stab you in the face with a screwdriver and you pull your gun out and your dots fail, that you're now going to go a completely different aiming method. I, I, I think it, it could be a little bit fanciful. Once again, if, if, if you are a um, Navy SEAL, Delta Ranger, Marsoc, GSG-9, SAS commando, um, who's jumping out of helicopters behind enemy lines, the backup science sites probably become, become a lot more useful. Um, if if you're a computer programmer who gets into a gunfight in the parking lot of your local spa, um, they probably become substantially less necessary. A couple of things on that. I may note to say um, the how necessary backup sites are is situational. Um, and you just mentioned it. If you are an on-duty police officer or on-duty security, your gun is exposed to the elements, um, your your odds of being really rough on equipment, not due to your own fault, but no scuffles on the ground and that kind of stuff, extensive distance running, jumping over stuff, trying to catch people, um, backup irons are going to be a lot more important for you because you are more likely to kill a dot or irons okay um, it's it's not you you're you're more likely to kill a dot but irons will be fine you're more likely to break a sighting system off a gun than do to conceal carry and don't get into fights and stuff if they can avoid it um so, so it's dependent on your situation you need to decide whether you 
legitimately need them. And as a result, you will make some sacrifices to have them. Um, or if they are a nice to have, and you can live with less sacrifices in order to have them absolutely available. Things like, I think if you are on duty, you're likely to break stuff, having an actual rear sight is more important than having a dot with some integrated system where you can aim off the, the back of the dot, okay? If you're a dude who's concealed carrying and, and lives a relatively peaceful life and isn't getting into a gunfight every week, if you are, reconsider your life choices, but isn't getting into a gunfight every week, having or something that is- fuck on, sorry. Or <laughs> if, if, it's a, if, it's a, if it's a rough aiming system, that's fine. Um, one more thing I want to remark on there in that dot course, we did, uh, we did the half test, the test and the, and the super test. Um, I remember vividly that I had the time expire on me on the half test before I'd fired a single round because I couldn't locate the dot because my draw was bad. And it's, it's because I don't have a lot of time shooting dots. However, I've got a lot of time shooting locks. And at five meters, I don't need iron sights to shoot the bullseye out of a target. Um, at like 12 meters, I start needing to have some sort of like, I need to see some sights on locks because I have got a really good index bolt. I was unwilling to fire a single shot until I had found the dot, which I never did in the five seconds I had. Um, despite the fact that I could have aced the test if I just went with, fuck it, I'll just, I'll just jab it. Uh, my brain just wouldn't let me. So you need to practice that. You need to practice dot failure so you know that your brain will go, no dot, no problem, I can still do this. You have to practice it. You have to simulate failure. That's um, a toss fixation thing. Yep. Something to bring up as well, when, one of the arguments that we get quite often is that uh, you, know, you, you need the backup eye insights, and that's something I touched on earlier, in order to find the dot especially if you're in a compromised position. So I'm going to use a gamer reference here, but I, I think it's relevant. Um, in IPSC handgun competition, the absolute fastest and most accurate shooters are put in a division, or, 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 or the most the fastest, most accurate equipment uh, is it in a division called open. Um, I have never, ever seen an open gun with backup iron sights. Uh, they're, they're generally frame mounted which doesn't really make a massive difference to finding the dot it makes it slightly easy to track uh but the open shooters are finding those dots with absolutely no issue um in various compromised body positions um while setting up in a new position um they're doing it because they've trained to be able to index the gun so that they can find the dot uh which you need to do to be able to use irons Ideally as well. Yes, irons are a little bit more forgiving because you can get a bit more info in your peripheral vision. Um, but for best results, you're, you're not looking over your iron sights. So I think we need to obviously look at, at the skill level of the particular user. Um, but we also know that what's what's learned first is learned best. Uh, so I'm not a big fan of, of teaching people a technique that I'm then going to try and ask them to forget uh in six months time because i've now spent six months trying to get this technique done pat and and now i'm going don't do this anymore or it's slightly dark and they can't see their backup iron sights uh and they haven't worked to develop the index because they they've shortcutted it by trying to look for iron sights 
that makes sense. I have one more thing I want to talk about, and then I think we should probably wrap this up unless there is something else from you guys. Um, first, a comment. Obviously, if you guys haven't picked up on this, we're talking about red dot sights on pistols, um, on handguns. Uh, we may at some point talk about red dots on rifles and shotguns. It's slightly different. It's not massively different. It's slightly different. Um, so if you haven't picked up on it, this is this is handgun. Um, the last thing I really want to talk about T and that I think is is more hardware than software is zeroing. Distance, how often do you confirm zero? When do you re-zero? Um, excellent point. I I generally lean towards a 25 meter zero. Um, I've I've heard good arguments to um, with regards to 10 meter zero, and, and I think for a lot of people, it's not actually going to be the end of the world either way. Um, I prefer to zero slightly further out. I think it's a little bit more forgiving over more distances. Um, I will generally, and, and you should do this with iron sights as well, but people don't. Um, I will generally zero the gun off a bench um, and then confirm from standing uh, and make any little subtle adjustments that might need to be made when I'm standing as opposed to when I'm on the bench. But to do that, you need to be able to shoot a group of 25 meters. Um, if you're shooting a pattern of 25 meters, there's nothing wrong with that. that. That's where you are. Then we need to be able to adjust that, um, which is why a lot of people recommend the 10 meter zero because it's a it, it's a little bit easier for, for people who, who can't shoot long distance groups. Um, I don't think either is... <laughs> Is the end of the world. What you do need to understand is where your gun shoots at various distances. Uh, once again, if, if if you're just trying to shoot the giant brown piece of cardboard, um, it's not going to make a massive difference. But if you're trying to shoot a two-inch dot or an eye box at three meters, you've got to understand that you've got to aim. You've got to not aim at the thing you want to hit. Um, you've got to aim above the thing you want to hit, and, and that that can be very confusing to people. Um, what I would avoid doing is zeroing really, really close. Um, what I would avoid doing is trying to zero the gun at, um, you know, sort of four or five meters, uh, because then once you get further out, uh, your gun's going to, you're going to have quite a dramatic variation point of aim from two point of impact. So I prefer a, a, a 25 meter zero, but um, you, you're going to make, you know, some some guys zero at 15 because that's where they can shoot a group. Um, I, I wouldn't do it any closer than 10, and I don't think it's really necessary further than 25, uh, and then know your holdovers. Um, ideally, you want to zero the gun with the ammo. If it's a carry gun, you ideally want to zero it with your carry ammo. Um, if it's a competition gun, obviously with your competition ammo. If you change ammo, you need to check if that's if that point of aim point of impact has has moved. Um, and yeah, you know, go when you go to the range. It's not a bad idea to shoot a group from your zero distance and and make sure that the that the group hasn't hasn't changed or hasn't moved. You know, if you and this is why you want to do it at a distance where you can shoot a group as opposed to a pattern. If you're at 10 meters and you're now shooting a really tight group, but it's three inches left and two inches high, uh, we may have an issue where, where your zero is wanted. Um, so you, you need to check that. You'll, most pistol rounds are going to 
group pretty close to one another at, at most physical distances, but you need to check, especially if you're carrying something quite different to what you compete with. So, you know, you're, you're, you're practicing with the softest, slowest 147 grain bullet you can get, um, and then you're carrying a 127 grain plus B plus, um, there could be a more noticeable um, shift in point of aim, point of impact. That makes sense. So reconfirm when you go to the range as often as you can. Definitely reconfirm if you change ammo. Um, reconfirm after making changes to stuff. So if you are, particularly if you're taking the dot off the gun in order to change batteries, you don't need to do it if, if the, the dot remains in place. Um, if you retighten the screws, which we said earlier, you shouldn't do, throw away the screws, replace them. But if you retighten the screws, um, you need to uh, you need to definitely check um, if and and you might need to weigh in on this gas and T if you drop the gun if the gun experiences significant impact of you running into a barricade or hitting it into a table or any other form of contact with with hard surface uh, you need to check it might be fine but you need to check. Um, I would check that. Just sorry to interrupt on on the throwing away the, the the screws thing. I obviously, when I say that, I'm talking about the teeny tiny little screws that that sort of will hold a Glock MOS plate in in place. The great big, for example, the Delta Point Pro has these freaking massive, spectacular screws. I wouldn't worry too much about replacing those every time you use them. I'm talking about the teeny teeny tiny. Just just before that confuses anyone. That's perfect. That's that's good to to state. Um, I was going to say something else Sorry. on the, oh, no, 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 you, you didn't make me forget. I'm just massively forgetful. Um, I was going to say something else on, on impact on guns. Oh, if, if you're doing an extraordinary number of empty starts in matches and you're racking off the, uh, the dot in order to get a faster start, that's great. Gaming is good. Um, speed optimization is better. Uh, you may need to check your zero more often and you may end up killing dots more frequently. So bear that in mind if you do it. Not saying don't do it because speed is what matters in, in, in competition, but realize that it might cost you a little bit of money. Don't do that in your carry guns if you can avoid it. Don't rack them off tables, walls, etc. unless you absolutely have to. If you're, you know, if you're in the middle of a gunfight and there's no other way to do it, well, fucking rock, rock on. But no. If you don't have to do it, don't do it. So you're not getting full benefit of the slide rack you put on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's why you need like honking big dots mm. so that you can do that judo chop and you never miss the dot, right? Yeah. Because if you do little ones, it's it's kind of that's also why you shouldn't have sails. A backup iron. Because they get in the way of slapping the because you could probably cut your hand in half if you mess up the angle and you come in, in front of that. <laughs> And you know, I, I see a lot of guys want to or, or people um, want to run their run the gun off the dot, and and bear in mind that's a relatively expensive, sophisticated electronic piece. Um, let's not abuse it unless we have to, and it's generally held in place by two or four pretty small little screws. So yes, you know, one-handed malfunction clearance is an important skill. Practice that sufficiently. Um, try not to smash it too much. Um, but I see a lot of guys smash that thing every time they load the gun, and it's just, it's not necessary, and you are you are increasing the chances of that failing. Uh, so don't don't do it as a matter of course. Do it do it if it's necessary, and do it enough to train with it. But you know, don't uh, 
Don't do it every time. That makes sense to me. That is the topics that I you know throughout the discussion sort of popped up into my head of what we should talk about. I don't know if there's anything we've missed from your side, Gaz, or from your side, T. Nothing from my side. I think the only thing I want to touch on just before we, we, we um, sort of wrap up is if we haven't, especially on, on, on sort of the, the gear stuff, because I know guys get all sort of wrapped around the ankle, the, the axle. If we haven't mentioned your favorite optic, it might be because it's a total piece of shit. Or it might be because I just don't actually have enough experience with it to have a, a solid opinion of it. Um, so it also might, you know, yours may have done 20,000 rounds without an issue and we've seen five fail under 100,000 rounds. I'm not going to recommend that to everyone. Um, I, I Once again, I don't have a dog in the fight. I, I would love a world where every optic from every manufacturer was spectacular. Um, because it will give us more, more options and, and, and they are getting better all the time. But uh, if, if your favorite optic or, or an optic you represent hasn't been the one that we've recommended, it, it doesn't mean that we're paid shills and it also doesn't mean that we're out to get you. Um, the observations I make are, are sort of my experience, the experience of what I've observed and, and, and what I've sort of learned from people cleverer than me. Uh, so that's something to bear in mind. I've, I, I've, I've seen a fair amount of red dots in, in action. I've had to fix my own red dots that have broken in the middle of matches. I've had to fix my friend's red dots when they've broken in the middle of matches. Um, I've had courses. I had a course a little while ago where we had, I think, every optic on the line except for one was of a particular brand and the one was of another brand. And the only person who had any shit with their, their optic that day was the dude with that solitary, solitary one. Um, so it's not necessarily science, uh, but this is this is what we've seen. And, and as I said at the beginning of the day, uh, you know, whoever, um, Vortex to pull a name out of, of the air may drop something tomorrow that is a complete and utter game changer. And I throw all my existing optics away and buy, buy those. Um, this, this is this is sort of the state of things as as we see them now. Um, I I think the the quality of of optics in general is improving, um, and I think the quality of the lower end optics in a lot of place in a lot of times is is improving even more. Um, that's not to say that they're they're in the same places as, as the best stuff, but they're they're probably not far off where where the best stuff was. 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, with some of the manufacturers. Some of the manufacturers just build shit. Um, but, but a lot of the, the sort of cheaper manufacturers are building better and better products. Um, and, and that's good for all of us. So let's say it's, it's not a, none of us have, a, have, have any incentive to, to be anti a particular brand or pro a particular brand. I'm a whore, I'm willing to be paid to push a brand but no one is paying me at the moment. So these are just observations based on, on what we've seen. Awesome. Um, cool stuff. Thank you, T-Bag. Highly informative. Yeah, yeah thanks, T. Mr. Evans, do you want to do the uh, the thing? Okay. Nice. Uh, so thank you to all of the guys who've been involved on the Facebook group. Uh, keep that up. Please keep it coming along. Uh, I'm sure that we'll have a new Drill of the Month soon. Um, we now in November, so we should get a new one soon. 
Um, other than that, thank you to everyone who's been supporting us. Uh, keep on listening, like, subscribe, share, minimum of five stars. We've got a couple of new members this week who've got new shirts. Um, so if you want to be a part of the club, please make sure that you get those orders in to Boss Ninja. Thanks, everyone. And on that bombshell, later losers. <laughs>